Welcome to First Things First, the weekly podcast where we talk about God, faith, and life in Shallow Water, Texas. Our podcast is a production of First Shallow Water, and you can find more information about our church by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. Thanks for joining us. Here's our pastor, Brad Miles. Well, welcome everybody to the First Things First podcast. We uh, usually, on our podcast, we have exciting and interesting guests from here in Shallow Water that just kind of talk about their life and we get to hear their stories. And but not today. Not today. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> not today. Today, uh, today, we're doing something really interesting. And, and Michael, I just want to go out there, uh, step out on a limb and say, I think this is going to be fun. Yeah, It'll be a I nice agree. little break. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so during right before Disciple Now, we had all of our students in their small groups write kind of burning questions, right, about faith and about the Bible and about life, mm-hmm. some some big kind of burning questions that they wanted answered. And then we hosted a Q&A session during Disciple Now. Yep. So, uh, but obviously at that Q&A session, we weren't able to get to nearly all of the questions. And let's be honest, some of them we didn't need to get to. Right? Amen. Yeah. I mean, like, there, what was one of them? Does Brad use shampoo? Yes. Was one of the questions. Yes. So let me go ahead and answer that for everybody right now. No, I don't use shampoo uh, normally. So unless I run out of body soap, yeah. and then I use shampoo for yep. reasons it was not intended. Right. So, you use what you got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we had some questions like that, but we also had a lot of really fantastic questions, Michael, that were that I thought were super insightful and and we just didn't have time to get to all of them. So we were like, okay, let's do a podcast. Let's answer some more of those yes. questions, you know, yep. and, uh, and then we'll, and then we'll, uh, maybe that'll help, you know, some folks out because right. there were some good ones. So, but before we get started, I always hesitate to use the word answer questions because some of these questions and when we read them out, I think you guys out there in podcast land will understand some of these questions, they don't, it's not like, uh, what's two times two, you know, <laughs> Michael and I are go, are going to respond to these questions. Uh, and we're going to try to do that from a biblical perspective, right? We're going to try to give you a biblical perspective on these questions, but, uh, but answering uh, kind of implies that there's a right and a wrong answer. Right. And for some of them, it's not nearly that, that clear cut mm-hmm. or, or easy. So we'll be able to give some advice, I think, generally uh, on some of these. Did I say any of that right? I mean, is that... No, I, I agree 100%. I mean, we're, we're trying to give insight and wisdom based on what we know of Scripture mm-hmm. and based on, on what God says about these topics. And so, uh, but there's, there's a, a lot of, of great truths that we're going to cling to during this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll dig into these questions a a little bit. And uh, Michael has been kind of living with the questions, uh, uh, you know, for, for longer than I have. So he has kind of picked out some ones that Mm -hmm. we're going to go to. And, uh, and so I'm just going to let him kind of ask the questions and then we will uh, go through them together and kind of talk through them together. Is that all right? All right, I'm asking. I'm I'm asking the podcast listeners as right. if they can yes. respond. They can't respond <laughs> in their cars right, right now. Right. They're like, "Yes, yes Brad. Yes, yes, Brad. That's good." Okay. All right. All right. So, Michael, shoot us a question. Absolutely. Let's see what we can do. And, and just to kind of start off, I, I want to say I'm super proud of a lot of our youth for just being so open and honest with a lot of these questions. And right. And, and it was. I'm really proud 
of the fact that they they really open their heart to to say, hey, these are things that I, I have questions about, and I'd really like to know the answers to. And, and so uh, here's here's kind of the first one, and and there's a lot that follows this one. It it's what does the Bible say about? And and there's there's a lot of things that that <laughs> that could be next, but where, where we're going to start is what does the Bible say about patience in relationships? Yeah, there's a and there were a lot of questions mm-hmm. about relationships yes. that we got, which doesn't surprise us, right. right? Because we know, you know, teenagers, students often are struggling to figure relationships out right. and and working their way through those. And so so that's not surprising at all. But 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 if you're asking what does the Bible say about relationship, the the like what's a good book of the mm-hmm. Bible to read for yes. this was was kind of how that right. question can uh, went on and so I would say Gosh, <laughs> the whole Bible yeah. has got good things to say. Um, but so one of my suggestions might be um, for patience in relationships. One of my suggestions would be to like to read the Gospels mm-hmm. and to but but pay special attention because when you're reading the Gospels, you can be kind of focused on a bunch of different things. Read the Gospels and pay special attention to the way that Jesus interacted with his disciples. Mm-hmm. And because he had to demonstrate a lot of patience with these guys. I mean, he loved them. They were his good friends, and he was really pouring into them. Right. But at the same time, you know, there was a lot that they didn't understand. There was a lot that they got wrong. Mm-hmm. And so focus on how Jesus treated them and how he responded to them and how he valued them. And I think there will be a lot of good evidence in there, you know, for uh, that we could take and use for how we ought to handle relationships with people, particularly those folks that are maybe a challenge for us. Right. You know? Yeah. So anyway, what are your thoughts? No, I, I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I think of, you know, this is one of those things that a lot like in the Bible, easier said than done to, yes. to have patience in relationships, especially when they're, they're not the easiest to love, but yeah. Jesus himself, he, he talked about, you know, uh, anyone who loves their friend, that's easy. Right. But, but what about the, the person who is really a challenge yes. and challenging in your life? and Even your enemy. Right, you know? exactly. And so uh, we we look at his interactions and and really have this great example of, of how he dealt with people. And it's always interesting to me to see how he had such patience with with, with people like, like us who... who are are sinners in need and and the the people that that were so messed up in their lives and yet when it came to the religious folks maybe he didn't have as much patience yes he had patience toward them sure but his most harsh words were towards the religious mm-hmm. leaders because if I had to guess he, he's thinking in his mind you guys should know this yeah you guys that's, teach this yeah that's you know what I'm saying yeah. so I, I think for for us, we, we look at, at his example and say, you know what, if if he did this with people mm-hmm. and he values people this way, why don't I? Why right. can't I? Yeah. And, and so the it's really the heart problem yeah. of us. And, you know, one of the things, I'm so glad you brought that up, his interaction with the Pharisees. Sure. You know, because yeah. one of the things that I have always found really remarkable about the way Jesus was talking back and forth with the Pharisees, because mm-hmm. he had some pretty harsh words yeah. for them. He pulled out, you know, Brood both, of vipers. Yeah, and, yeah. You know? <laughs> Whitewashed tombs yes. and, you know, everything else. But but one of the one of the things that he's doing there, he's really upset because of the way these the, this class of people in Israel at that time mm-hmm. He's really upset at the way they excluded others, uh, particularly from 
um, from like access to temple and religious right. practices. He's really upset at the way that they that they uh, put themselves over other people mm-hmm. and viewed themselves as better than other people. And so when he's dealing with them, a lot of times he's really defending um, and speaking up for these people who in that culture really, really didn't have a voice mm-hmm. or have power or have any kind of way to speak up for themselves. So so if you look at the people that he gravitates toward, right, he's gravitating toward um, toward women uh, who often were... Overlooked. Uh, yeah, second-class citizens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's gravitating to lepers, mm-hmm. you know, who were outcasts, mm-hmm. total outcasts. He's gravitating to fishermen who, uh, you know, and blue-collar, you know, folks... The social outcasts, Yeah, right? they got their, their hands physical, dirty. They, yeah. weren't, they, they weren't the elite. They mm-hmm. weren't the wealthy or the powerful... Um, and, and often weren't able to be observant of a lot of the uh, religious festivals. And, you know, if you went to, if you practiced, you know, Judaism, like you, you traveled to Jerusalem for these feast days several times a year. Well, if you're a working fisherman, that's a little bit, and you live in Galilee, that's tough to do. I mean, you, you're not able to make that trip all the time. And so, and so he's talking, he's really defending these people that are kind of on the fringes of their society, and even on the fringes of the religious and the wealthy mm-hmm. elite. So when I think about that for students, okay, yeah. uh, w- what I see in Jesus is this radical inclusiveness. Mm-hmm. He went out of his way to acknowledge like Zacchaeus, mm-hmm. who was a pariah in yeah. his community, right? He goes out of his way uh, to, to, to see these people, mm-hmm. to notice these people, and to invite them into relationship yes. with himself, a radical kind of inclusiveness. Right. So if we're going to be like him in our relationships, we have to be like that too. Right. And we also have to be willing to stand up and speak truth to people who should know better, mm-hmm. right? Like Pharisees, mm-hmm. uh, like the Pharisees who were the religious elites yeah. of their day. And, and to speak up on behalf of sometimes the marginalized, sure. the folks that are kind of on the fringe, yeah. you know? Which in in high school and in junior high, that's really tough to do. Mm-hmm. It's tough for our adults that are listening to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Some of us need to do that better. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. Well, I, I think that leads right into this next one. What does the Bible say about what to do in seasons of waiting? So mm. uh, you talk about patience in in relationships, and and then you think about what that season of waiting is and, and how that is trying and, and that is difficult. And, and sometimes it's, it's really hard yeah. just to wait. Right. And, and so uh, what would you say the, the Bible says about those seasons of waiting and, and what to do in the midst of it? Well, when I, when I first saw this question, Michael, I, I, it's so awesome because, look, this is what almost all of Scripture is about. Sure, yeah. And, and frankly, what our lives are about. Mm-hmm. So there's this word, uh, liminal. It's mm-hmm. a big fancy academic word, liminal. But what it means is it, the in-between, the there but not there yet, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and, so, uh, and so when people study scripture, they see this, this, um, this topic that this person asked about, this specific thing comes up over and over and over again. Right. Uh, because you've got examples of it all over scripture. The fact of the matter is, Michael, we're living in that liminal state, mm-hmm. right? Jesus has come. He initiated the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And that kingdom is present. It is here. Is It, it is at work in the world around us. Sure. His victory has been won, right? But, but it's not completed, yep. you know? And so our whole lives are lived in this liminal state where we're waiting. 
You know, we're waiting on the final mm. reign of Christ to come, you know? So, uh, but if you want some specifics, I think really the story of Israel uh, as they're in the desert um, is just a, a really great example of what it looks like, uh, you know, how, how we should how we should handle ourselves and how we should not handle ourselves, right? <laughs> when when we're in this time of waiting, yep. God's got this promised land that's out there. He's leading us to this purpose, you know. But but we find ourselves in the desert, not at that purpose, mm-hmm. and we and we're like we're frustrated. Like why haven't we gotten there yet? Like why aren't we there? Right. You know? And uh, and so God's uh, that story of how God. Um, a couple of things that I would think that the, that the story of Israel tells us when we're waiting is God is with us. Mm in the desert. And, uh, and that, that journey where it feels like we're wandering around aimlessly in a desert place. That's actually the point. Mm. (laughs) We tend to think of the promised land as the point, but, but that wandering around in the desert was actually the point. That was where God was fashioning his people. That was intentional. There was purpose. Yes. He's teaching them all these things. He's teaching them about uh, uh, the warfare that they're they're going to have to wage when they go into the temple. He's teaching them about that while they're in the desert. He's teaching them to trust him and to follow him while they're in the desert. He's uh, he is you know he's he's growing up a generation that will serve him and that will be faithful to him and will, will be obedient to him while they're in the desert. So. The walking around in the desert, it felt aimless. It felt like there wasn't a point. It felt like they were just wandering around. But it really, it really was was the point, and I'm gonna tell you what. And you may be too young for this, <laughs> uh, but what I think of whenever I hear that is wax on, wax off. Oh yeah, Karate Kid, <laughs> Karate man, kid. Mr. Miyagi. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he go Ralph uh, Macchio goes to him for training. You know, and he's like, I want to be trained in karate, and he's like, Okay, uh, wax my car. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's out there waxing the car, going, "This has no point at all." Yeah. And sand the fence, and right. you know all the different things that he had to do. And then there's this one day where he blows up, and he's like, "You're just you're just using me to do all these yeah. things." And then uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, Mr. Miyagi goes, "Okay, wax the car." And then he starts throwing these punches, mm-hmm. and that same motion is blocking all of the right. you know. So it felt aimless at the time, but really. All of that was the point, mm-hmm. you know, and that so much of our lives are like that. And the story of Israel really does talk about yeah, that. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. So uh, moving on to uh, something a little bit different. Uh, what does the Bible say about fighting addiction? Mm, yeah. And y- 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 you'll need to chime in on this one, too, because it, frankly, Scripture, like in the in, in two thousand years ago, uh, addiction issues weren't what they are now. Sure. You know, uh, the Bible does deal with alcoholism a lot and warns against alcohol. So like the first thing that what the Bible would say over and over again about addiction is don't get started. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't right. put yourself in a position where that could be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, what we hear from scripture. Uh, but for a person who's in the middle of it, that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> what do you say to a person who's fighting addiction? And right. scripture of course didn't have those, the people that lived in Jesus' day and in the Old Testament, they didn't, they didn't have all of these myriad of things that could be addictive in their lives mm-hmm. the same way that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the scripture that I kind of pulled out, and there's a lot of scripture kind of like this, but this is one of my favorite scriptures in all of uh, all the Bible. And, and frankly, uh, those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast are going to be like, oh my gosh, Brad, you're going to talk about that again? Because me and Jeremy, <laughs> like, you know, we went to town on this Kinda passage camped, of scripture. Yeah. Here, yeah. So, uh, but the first part of Romans chapter 12 says this, it says Romans 12, one and two, it says, uh, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God 
because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Mm. And so there's so much going on in that text, Michael, that we can't even get into. But if we're talking about fighting addiction, like here, there are some points from this that I think you should remember if you're really struggling with addiction. Okay. First is offer your body as a sacrifice to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, like surrender yourself to God, your body, you know. Um, what, you know, what you're putting into your, your body, if you're, if we're putting all kinds of chemicals and other things into our body, well, well, we're not, we're offering our bodies as a sacrifice to drugs and, and ultimately as a sacrifice to an idol. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing. Climbing on an altar and giving ourselves to an idol. Mm -hmm. And so first things first, let's offer our bodies to God. Okay. And then second of all, allow, you know, don't conform to the, you know, uh, to the customs of this world. Mm So, so look at what, what, where you're going, how you behave, who you surround yourself with, you know, those things all impact us when we're struggling with addiction. Uh, but then the last thing is allow the Holy Spirit to transform your mind, to renew your mind. And so that comes from spending time in the Word of God, mm-hmm. spending time around the people of God, spending time worshiping God. When we do those things, God begins to renew our mind. Yeah. So now, look, that's only one part of this, okay? Because there's a physical aspect to addiction. There's an emotional aspect to addiction. You need counseling, right? You need um, you need help. You probably need a a, a, a uh, you might need to go to a rehab center. You might need to, you know, uh, to be involved in a 12 step program. In mm-hmm. fact, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You should do both of those things. And however long you think you should go to rehab, you should multiply it times two and go there for that <laughs> long. What we understand about addiction yeah. is that it rewires our brains. It takes two years when you've been addicted to drugs. It takes two years for the, the neural pathways of your brain to go back to, to a healthy to a healthy form. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's not an overnight, you know, fix. And so what you've got to do is give yourself spiritually to this process where you're giving your body over to the Lord, allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind, but also pursue like medical help and counseling help mm-hmm. and all those other things to attack that from all fronts. Yeah. You know, is there anything else from scripture that you think of when you think about fighting addiction? I think of in James chapter one and just identifying, well, wh- where does this all start? Well, right. in James one, he, he gives us a great insight into we are lured and enticed by our own evil desires right. that that w- we can't say well the devil made me do it or or yeah. <laughs> like we are we are responsible right for our actions and mm-hmm. and like you said taking that step that initial step that leads to addiction obviously like i i think how that breaks the heart of god and it breaks the heart of the holy spirit and right. and when we truly believe well God is is with me, yeah. and, and the Holy Spirit is is right here, and, and He's in my life, and He I am sealed by Him because mm-hmm. I have given my life over to Him. I, it really changes the way you 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 think and your actions that that lead to some of those destructive behaviors exactly. begin to really start to fade away, right? Because I now know to whom I belong. I I, I know. That that I am bought at a price. Therefore, I'm going to glorify God yes. with my body, just like you were talking about in Romans 12, presenting our body as that living sacrifice and and living a life that is 
holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. Uh, so where I think addiction uh, falls with Scripture is that that God provides a way out mm-hmm. every single time. And like sure. you said, that may be through a, a program. Yeah. That may be through some sort of medical help. Yeah. And at times he does deliver people. Just radically, abs- yes. miraculously, I, yeah. I've heard many accounts where... And, and that is the power of God at work within the world today. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the strongest addiction is no match for the power of who God is and, and what He can do. And yeah, absolutely. and so, but identifying where where it begins, it, it starts on the inside. And then He says, "Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, right. from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shifting like shadow." Mm-hmm. Well, what do, what do addictions do? They make a shift. They they oh. they cause us to be tossed to and fro like a wave on the ocean, mm-hmm. and yet God is the, the steady anchor that, that we're to hold on to in the midst of all that, and He's really calling us out of those things, and I'm going to talk about tomorrow night uh, with our youth. If we're not running away from, actively running away from certain things, destructive behaviors, sinful habits, right? we're really struggling in our Christian walk. Exactly. Because that 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 is a a always kind of thing for the the person who's following after Christ to mm. actively be running away from and, and turning from and really turning to him. Right. Yeah, running away from something but running to the father. Yes. So it's no good to run away from something right. if you don't have something to run to. Yeah, exactly. I I love everything that you said and in fact, you know, one thing that we really have to combat in our culture, Michael, that's just so pervasive is this idea that these desires that are in our hearts, right, were meant to be fulfilled by us mm-hmm. or these desires that we have uh, the, the, the desires of our hearts are like inherently yeah. good or the desires of our hearts are a part of who we are. There are we, we identify with our desires in some way. That is a dangerous and destructive um, uh, lie right. because our desires, what we hear in scripture is our desires are inherently evil. Yeah. If we follow after our desires, we are led to destruction. But you know what? You don't, even if you don't believe the Bible, like you don't, you can admit that. Mm-hmm. You can see that. You can it, see. It doesn't take yep. a genius to look at where our desires yes. lead us. And, uh, and and it doesn't take like a super revelation by the Holy Spirit. You just can look around mm-hmm. and see this evidenced in the lives of people all around us. Yep. And so um, so so when we get that straight, right, what, what you just said, that our desires are inherently evil. They have to be surrendered to the Lord God. You know, mm. when we get that right, then God can begin to work in our lives and renew our minds and do these other things. Right. So, yeah, good stuff. We got to run, got to run away. And if you're struggling with addiction, let me, if you're out there and you're struggling with addiction, let me say this: that thing that Michael just said about running away from stuff, like there's nothing that's more important to you than that. You cannot put yourself in a situation where you feel like you can manage drugs or alcohol or pornography mm-hmm. in your life. Like you've got to, you have to run the other mm-hmm. direction. There's no, there's no middle ground. Right. No entertaining the thought. That's just, right. Yeah. You got to, you have to just root it out of your life. If it's no the first time, it's no every time. And yeah, yeah. It, yeah. The language is strong in the Bible that mm-hmm. talks about this kind of th- stuff. So yeah. Um, okay. Next question, uh, and this is kind of the last one of of what does the Bible say about? Sure. Before we move on to a few other things, but what does the Bible say about mental illness, depression, anxiety, and and how do how do you or 
how would you say that that I would help someone who is struggling with those things? Yeah, gosh, what a great question. And you know, uh, one thing that we just we just really have to acknowledge when we're talking about mental health. Uh, issues is that you know the 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 understanding that we have now about what all that's going on in the brain um, it was uh, we we've come a long way okay <laughs> in the past couple hundred years on what's actually going on with the chemistry of the brain and uh, and all of that kind of stuff and so uh, so I know that you know that w- some of the things that scripture uh, talks about though are remarkably accurate particularly given the fact that, you know, the folks who were writing this stuff, they didn't have some of the medical knowledge or the advanced scientific knowledge that we have about what actually goes on in the brain. But I want to give you an example. Psalm chapter 31 um, is this amazing, uh, it's this amazing uh, passage. And and so the, the, it's a Psalm of David. Okay. And I could say a whole bunch about the person of David. I, uh, when you read scripture, you get the sense that he was a very mercurial mm. person. He did. He was a very artistic person. He loved the Lord. He had a heart after God. But, um, but anyway, and and Saul too. Remember Saul? If you want to talk about mercurial, I mean that guy. You know, a demon tormented him. I mean, he was right. throwing spears at his friends. I mean, he. You know, it just was kind of all over the map. So we see a lot of places in scripture where people are clearly there's a, there's some kind of mental illness struggle that's mm-hmm. going on, right? But here it is in Psalm in Psalm thirty one. Um, David's crying out to the Lord, Oh Lord, I've come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me for what you do is right. Turn your ear to me. Rescue me to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress while I will be safe. You're my rock and my fortress for the honor of your name. Lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap my enemies set for me. And so if we're talking about uh, depression right now, let's think about depression when you Put put that into enemies, the trap my enemies have set for me. And and remember, too, we have a, a real enemy, Satan, who is trying to destroy us. And depression is one of the tools that he likes to use to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, pull me from the trap my enemies set for me, for I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, O Lord, for you are faithful. Okay, but listen to this, okay? Uh, he says, I hate those who worship worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I'll be glad. Rejoice in your unfailing love for you've seen my troubles. Here it is. And you care about the anguish of my soul. Mm. And then you've not handed me over to my enemies, but you've set me in a safe place. Now listen to this. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I'm wasting away from within. And then he goes on. I'm scorned by all my enemies, despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. Does that not sound like a picture of someone who's in the depths of depression? Mm -hmm. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I'm ignored as if I was dead. But listen to verse 14, skipping down. But I'm trusting you, O Lord, saying, you are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant and your unfailing love rescue me. And so, so here's David clearly struggling with addiction, with uh, depression. In another place in scripture, he talks about that his bones feel like they're on mm-hmm. fire. And if you've struggled with the, with depression for any amount of time, you understand that like physical pain manifests itself as a result of depression. And, uh, but, but, but he gets to the end of that and he says, but I am trusting you, mm. O Lord. Mm-hmm. And what I would say to anybody who's struggling with depression, with anxiety, the key issue in our lives often is that 
Who do we trust? We find ourselves despairing when we place our trust and our faith in ourselves Mm -hmm. or when we place our faith and our trust in people around us. But when we place our faith and our trust in the Lord, we can have hope. And look, it's not like a light switch that you, I trust you, oh Lord, and then all of a sudden I'm happy again. That's not how it works. Uh, Depression is often uh, rooted in a chemical imbalance that's going on in our brain. It takes time to work our way through it. But but step one, trust the Lord. Mm -hmm. He holds your future in his hands and he is good. And so if we can if we can settle that in our hearts and we can focus on that that is that step one to climbing our way out of depression. So um Anyway, that's what I would say about that. In the New Testament, Jesus talks about don't worry. You know, and when he he says, look at the lilies of the field. You know, they don't they don't weave, they don't make clothes. But Solomon, dressed in all of his clothes, is not is not as beautiful as they are, not arrayed as beautifully as they are. So so um, so there's this sense that peace comes from trusting the Lord, yeah. and uh, and 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 that's always going to be what we come back to as people uh, who call ourselves Christians. The foundational truth of our lives is that our only hope, our faith, has to be placed in the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. When we do that, we have strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to to combat these other things in our lives. Yeah. So I I love the way Corey Ten Boone uh, put it when she said, "If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest." Yeah. And I mean, that plays out to be true mm-hmm. so many times when when we get our eyes off of the world and sure. ourselves, uh, because a lot of the time, the depression that we, or anxiety, or, uh, you know, suffering even, yeah. is centered around what's going on here and now around me and even within me, yep. and a lot of the time we need to look up exactly. and, and get our eyes off of the things that... that are are those circumstances and and it it doesn't mean that we ignore them and we act as if they're not there right but we look to him yeah. as the one who's going to solve the problem yes as the the one who who comes into the equation and changes everything yeah yeah my trust is in you oh yeah. lord and like the disciples gathered together in that room yeah. and then all of a sudden Jesus is standing in the middle of it well suddenly their anxieties and and their fears and everything else begin to right. melt away because right. Jesus is here right mm-hmm. so um and, and I want to say this too, Michael, and I'm not going to speak for you. I just speak for myself. But, but when, when we're having this discussion, like I'm not, I'm not giving advice. I've been through times of serious depression yeah. in my life. I mean, I'm, where I have struggled. Sure. I'm just telling you. If you're out there and you're struggling with depression, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I have struggled with mm-hmm. it. And what I've learned is that trust, trusting the Lord was step number one for me. But here's the other thing. You have to You have to fight. You have to fight. We have to actively fight these mm-hmm. things that go on in our lives. We have an enemy that is trying to destroy us. Yeah. And we can't, you have, to, you have to actively fight against the work of that enemy in your life. And so, so I don't know what that means. Like you start to feel depression seeping into your life. You start to feel yourself kind of cycling into depression. Okay, what are we going to do, mm-hmm. right? Oh, let's put, our, let's put our, our AirPods in. Let's get out in the sunshine. Let's go for a walk. Physical activity mm-hmm. releases endorphins sometimes, and, and, and that can correct our, our brain chemistry balance, right? But, but do things, like do things. Memorize yeah. scripture. Listen to praise songs. Um, uh, you know, listen to a, 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 a good sermon, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so someone else's. But look, listen, <laughs> listen to a good sermon. Read scripture um, out loud. Yeah. Like there, there's several things that that we can do but in that moment 
you almost feel crippled to the point uh, yes. that you, you can't do anything. Right. And like you said, it, it is that true fight of I've got to get up and I've got to do this. Yeah. I, I, I can't sit here in the midst of this or my bones are literally going to feel like they're on fire. Yeah. I, I, I need to change something. And, and usually, I mean, that list that you just listed off, if you would just start with one of those one. I, and, and build upon it, it yeah. it's like walking up a staircase. You're, you're taking those steps and, yep. and you're making your way. And like you said, it all begins with that trust that, that he knows what you're going through, that he's near to the brokenhearted, that yes. he, he saves yes. those who are crushed in spirit. Right. Yeah. And you know, the, the also be, have somebody that you're talking to. Yes. Like be honest with somebody. Mm -hmm. You, there needs to be somebody in your life that you can say. Don't isolate. And 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 I'm, I'm the worst about that. Oh, sure. Being somewhat of an introvert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Or, or a lot of an introvert, (laughs) you know, uh, I, I will isolate myself. Right. And and that's one of the worst things I can do mm-hmm. because then you start to really believe the lies. Yeah. Because nobody's speaking truth into your into your life and yeah. uh, it's it's just a dangerous cycle. Mm-hmm. So we need help. We can't yes. do this alone. We weren't designed right. or created to do it alone, Michael. So right. you know, so so the fact that we need help does not mean that we're weak. Mm-hmm. It means we're human. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so we need, we need help and there are trained professionals out there that can mm-hmm. help. And we have a list here at the church of folks that we, that, that, that we have done a little bit of research on that we'd be happy to give you mm-hmm. if you, if you're, if you're struggling with depression, you know, seek out help, you yes. know, but fight, look, fight, don't sit in that, mm-hmm. fight it, you know, and, uh, and, and sometimes that means saying, I need to go to a counselor, you know, yeah. so let's yeah. do it, whatever it is, let's do it. Okay. Uh, next question. Uh, this one uh, is how do you know if you're making the choices that God wants you to make? And, and right. I, I think that's, that's a really great, great question because a lot of the time as we're making choices, we're, we're wondering, okay, wh- where does his will and, and, and what he, he desires of my life, how, how does that fit in? Because uh, if you're truly living the Christian life, that's your goal. That's your aim. And, and and speaking as someone who's failed in this many many times and <laughs> and bears the scars, you know, it's a question that that I, I really think a lot of people are asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a there's a couple of ways that I have learned over my years, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm love to hear your wisdom on it too. But um, for, the first thing is, I think that when I was younger, I had this wrong notion about God's will for my life. Okay. So I imagined God's, I I imagined my life as a series of millions of choices that I would make. And, and, but it was binary. There was one right one and there was one wrong one. And if I made one wrong one, then it would get me off on this track and I would have to fight to get all the way back. So I imagined God's uh, will for my life, like a, like a, like a narrow path. And, and, you know, and like, if you're in Ridos and you're hiking, there's this narrow little mm-hmm. path that you're walking on. That's what I thought of the will of God as. And sometimes it is that way, Michael, sometimes it is a narrow path, right? Um, but some other times the, the, the will of God for my life is a vista. Like there's sometimes there's a, there's many different mm-hmm. ways that I could go and all of them will be within the will sure. of God. Right. And so like, I, sometimes there've been times in my life when I was, I would have like 
two or three job opportunities. I'll be like, Lord, which one of these, you know, should I do? You know, which one of these is your will for me? And I really, some, there've been times in my life where I felt the Lord saying to me, I don't care. You know, <laughs> all three of them are good. I provided all three of them for you. Will, will, will it take your, will each one of them take your life in different directions? Mm-hmm. Sure. But none of them is outside of my will. Sure. So pick which one you want to yeah. do and, and do it and don't regret it. Don't look back. You know, so sometimes there's that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's what I would say about decision making and knowing the will of God. Mm -hmm. Often we will not really be that invested in our relationship with the Lord. Right. And then we'll come up on a decision and we'll start asking the Lord, well, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's not really how it's supposed to work. Okay. (laughs) When the uh, Jesus, you know, talks about my sheep know my voice, right? Well, the the reason sheep knew a shepherd's voice was because they were with the shepherd all the time. Mm -hmm. So they recognized the shepherd's voice because they lived with them. They were walking around with them all day long. And so when he was directing them, they could recognize that. You shouldn't expect to feel confused, you know, or feel like the Lord is silent on what his will for you is with a major decision if you haven't really been spending time with the Lord. Like step number one is let's seek after the Lord. Let's live in the presence of the Lord, right? Let's, you know, let's walk with Christ Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm And then what we find is that our desires or, or our, uh, our dreams or plans for the future often, like he's renewing our mind. Yeah. So like our desires are slowly becoming his desires mm-hmm. for me, right? My, my, what I want for my future, what I see for myself in the future is slowly becoming what his plans for the future are for me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm more equipped to make those decisions and to do what it is God wants me to do when I've been walking with the Lord. Right. So, um, so uh, uh, that's, that's what I would say, you know, uh, our gut becomes something that we can trust when we have been living with the Lord, the leadership of the Holy Spirit's working in our lives when we're surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit yeah. in our lives. Anyway, that's what I would say. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, there, <laughs> I feel like you answered that really well. So okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> I've made plenty of dumb, wrong decisions right. too, though, in my life. And, and I think that's, that's the 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 truth for probably everyone listening to this mm-hmm. is we're we're all thinking of things that that we we made decisions on and and I think for me this has been true where I I come up on a decision and and I've got my desire and like you said I I, I wasn't walking as closely and listening yes. like yeah. I should have and and we fall into this, well, God, will you bless this? Will like right. will you put your stamp of approval <laughs> now on this I, now? Yeah. And and I, I I really believe he's there saying I, you should have listened all along the way, sure, and you wouldn't even be faced with something. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so and he can redeem stuff. He, he does all can. the time. And, and and that's I think the beauty of the gospel and the the beauty of God's grace is even in the midst of of some poor and and really bad decisions. Yeah, his will is his will. That's right. And at the end of the day, it, it's it. It's coming, like yeah. you know. It will be accomplished. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And 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 His kingdom come, His will be done. And mm-hmm. and Jesus said that the kingdom of God is here. Yeah. Uh, you know. So yeah. I, I I think about how how the sovereignty of God and the free will uh, of all of us exist together perfectly, mm-hmm. and and how that's that's utterly impossible apart from God. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and and so just knowing and resting in the fact that. Okay, God, I'm 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 gonna listen as mm-hmm. best as I can. And, and there have been seasons in my life where, where, like you said, I 
I was a sheep listening to the shepherd, and and I, I remember having a decision I was trying to make uh, much younger when when I was I think even going into ministry and and wrestling with a few things and and just saying to God I'm not moving from this spot right until I know what you're because I'm I'm pretty hard headed yeah yeah and yeah. And, and pretty stubborn right <laughs> you know I can be <laughs> and and so I, just saying God I. That that's how much I, I really need you to speak into this situation is sure. I I don't want to move from this spot mm-hmm. until I know yeah where you're le- and, and and sometimes he says you need to step out in faith mm-hmm. and really trust that next step because he gives that step and and, it, and it's like in Psalm one nineteen I'll give you a light for your path yeah that's right. not a spotlight to show you everything down the road but mm-hmm. the light for the path was that next step you that's could right. see exactly what's in front you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh but the will of god it's a a great thing i i I forget who who said this but uh there's no joy no thrill in life like walking in his will and those who are walking in his will know what that's like and those like me who have not walked in his will at, at a specific time right know the the tragedy and the heartbreak how painful that yes is. Yeah. yes here's a good litmus test too if you're out there and you're wondering what's the will of god for me next mm-hmm. in my life yeah. you know um well the, the will of god is really easy yeah. for all of us it's love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength mm-hmm. love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. that's it that's the will of god yep. you can put a period at the end of that right. sentence right that's what it is so but now if you're if you're if there's a decision you're facing and you're wondering what the will of god is here's here's a good litmus test what um what outcome am I hoping for from this decision? Because often the outcomes that we're hoping for are, um, you know, if I make this decision, I might make more money. Mm. If I, if I make the decision, I, I might be able to afford this house or this, you know what I'm talking about? If I make this decision that I might be, it might lead to happiness or leisure or whatever, whatever those things are. None of those things are inherently bad, Michael, but, but, but that can't be what motivates us. Like, here's the question that we should ask ourselves with a decision. How will God use me on the other side of this? Like what's the outcome God would have for my life? Right. Uh, So if you're thinking about a job, for example, trying to make a decision about a job, okay, uh, who would God want for me to share the gospel Mm -hmm. with in this new place, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm going to do this, you know, uh, which one of these can I see God using me more effectively among my coworkers? You know what I mean? Like let those things drive the bus. Let the things of God drive the bus. Uh, Seek first his kingdom right? And everything else will be added, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, so that's a good litmus test. If we're making a decision based on, you know, these things that we want for our lives, you know, that often are material things, they're, they're external things, you know, but they don't have to do with the kingdom. Um, those are going to be wrong decisions a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, anyway, that, that, that's just one simple thing to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, next question. And, and this one, uh, I've seen this so much in, in youth ministry, and mm. uh, it's this, and it's not just for girls, but it's also for guys. But uh, here's a question. Why do girls' relationships with their mom go bad when they get older, and how do you make it better? Oh, gosh. I know. I know. Like, in that question, like, my heart breaks because, yeah. I, I, like I said, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I have witnessed just some of those really hard years. And so I'm really interested to hear some of your wisdom because I know you've seen it too. Yeah. Um, Here's, you know, a lot of times you see like, 
sons and fathers struggling, mm-hmm. you know, in the teenage years, mm-hmm. and you'll see moms and daughters struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times you just see kids and parents, you know. Yes. Um, there's a couple of things that I would say. Uh, so thing number, thing number one, speaking as a parent, the hardest and the most painful thing that any parent does, okay, is letting their child go. That it's traumatic. Like when I, when I talk about you know a parent releasing their child into adulthood, you could use some of the same language that you would use uh, around a parent who had lost their child. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the same, but in some ways it's as traumatic, mm-hmm. you know, or close, right? So and if you're a child, if you're a teenager and you're listening to this, you need to know that's what your parents are dealing yeah. with. Okay, as you're growing up and becoming a man or a woman, right? Your parents are watching that and they're so proud and they're so excited about it. But at the same time, it is absolutely painful and devastating mm-hmm. in so many ways. They feel like they're losing you. So if, especially for you older teens out there, if your parents are acting a little crazy right now, <laughs> it's because they are, okay? It's because this is traumatic. Is This is really hard. They don't know how to do this, okay? No one does. No one knows how to do something that's super painful and super mm-hmm. traumatic. Give your parents some grace, yep. okay? Because yeah, they're going to hold on too tight sometimes, and yes, they're going to they're going to they're they're going to act irrationally sometimes. When you love somebody and you feel like you're losing them, you act irrationally. Mm-hmm. And for crying out loud, if you're a teenage girl or a boy out there, you don't need me to tell you that <laughs> you have acted irrationally because you know Bobby Joe broke up with yeah. you the other night. Right. You know what I'm talking about? And this is way bigger than that. Sure. So so of course your parents are going to act irrationally sometimes. Give them some grace. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, parents that are listening, sometimes that's going on in our hearts and we don't even know it, you know? And, uh, and I would, and so acknowledge that, but here's another thing. The things that drive us crazy about our kids are often the things that the ways in which they are most like us, (laughs) um, or, or even this, or we're holding them to a standard of like where we are, but not where we were when we were 14 or 15 or 16, where we are when we're 30 or 40 or whatever age we are, right? We can't expect our kids to be, have the maturity of a 40 year old, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, They're not there, they haven't had all those experiences. And sometimes we get disappointed in our kids for making some of the same decisions that we made when we were their age. And, um, and so look, it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to speak truth into your kid's life. You know, it's okay. But, but we also have to have patience because they're on a journey with the Lord. They're on a journey and that journey is going to have all kinds of twists and turns and curves in the road, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not going to be a straight line. We wish it could be. We want to save them from some of those painful things, but it, but we can't, the Lord is doing it. And so the last thing I would say as a parent, and this is so awful, it's so hard. But we, we are not responsible for the people our children become. We can't make them into something. The Holy Spirit is the only thing that can make them into anything. And we have to trust the Lord God on behalf of our kids. Mm-hmm. That God's grace is going to overcome our shortcomings and our failures. Yeah. And God's grace is going to work in the hearts of our children to cause them to become what God has created them to be. Mm-hmm. And... What God has created them to be may not be what we desire for them to be. Once again, we have to lay our desires down 
our desires for our kids, our desires for our kids' future, we have to lay those down because it's God's desires right. for our kids and for their future that really matter. And that's a really hard thing to do as a parent. So if you're a parent and you just heard me say that, some of you are like shaking your fists at the you know speakers right now going, Brad, you don't know how hard that is. Yes, I do. I'm doing it right now. It's really, really hard. But, uh, but, but that helps a lot. Uh, you know, and, and kids are going crazy you know, when they're in their late teens because they're gonna they're 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 excited about their future, but they they miss their family. Their mm-hmm. relationships with their family are changing forever, yeah. and everybody in the situation knows our relationships are changing forever. Mm-hmm. There's no way to move into the new a new healthy relationship without mourning the loss of this old relationship mm-hmm. that you're leaving behind. Mm-hmm. So kids are acting irrationally, and parents are acting irrationally. And, and once we can just all admit that to one another, sometimes it takes the temperature in the room down. Sure, absolutely, and. And I, I really love that, that you had some open and honest uh, kind of not just feelings, but, but experience yeah. with, with this, because I, I think, obviously, I'm not a, not a parent, but uh, I think of my relationship with my parents and, and specifically my mom and how so often I, in, in arrogance as a, a teenager, we act in one way only to figure out later in life, like, man, they, they were right all, all <laughs> along and, and you come around and, and you figure that out and you're like, okay. And I can honestly say my, I, I've had a great relationship with my mom. I've always been somewhat of a mama's boy. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there were those hard moments and around 2021, 20, mm-hmm. uh, she became one of my best friends Yeah, because of how she raised me and and she did all that she could to to raise my my brother and I the right way but yeah. like you said the the holy spirit's role is so important in that and and you parents out there uh, you're doing all you can to raise yeah your kids and, and to do it the right way and and to to point them in the right direction but at the end of the day, uh, your reliance upon the holy spirit to transform their lives and and make them into the people that God is calling them to be that that's that's the goal. He's is, the only one with the right, power to do it because we fail. Right. We 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 fail. Uh we're broken mm-hmm. and and you know it it just makes me think uh, our 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 ownership over things just mm-hmm. in general is not what it actually is. Like yeah. like you think about money uh, that we are stewards of that. Uh, right. j- just like with kids, I mean, you you are you have been given the gift of of a child, and and you are over them. But ultimately, who do they belong to? Mm-hmm. The Lord. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's true of all of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. So, and 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 last word on this, parents, if you're out there, look, they're they're going to get through this teenage. Yeah. <laughs> If we could just survive, if we could just, if they can survive and we can survive until they're in their early twenties, things get better. Okay. I promise. So, right. So yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do, we can do one more. Let's okay. do one more, one more question. Sounds good. Cause uh, I've talked too much these. and we haven't answered nearly, nearly enough questions. No, you're good. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, let's go with this one. What should I do when I know I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and I love God, Yeah. but I feel stuck and I feel like I don't know what to do next. Mm. Gosh, yeah, I wish that person was sitting in here with us. Thank you, Michael. Because I'd like to know, like, 
what in what way do they feel mm-hmm. stuck? You know, um, I'm going to assume that they're saying that they feel stuck in their uh, in their faith, maybe mm-hmm. in their relationship with with God. Sure. Um, and I want to say, first of all, that is a totally natural thing that happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. We all go through periods in our lives where where uh, there are periods in our lives where our relationship with God, we feel like we're drinking from a fire hydrant. You know, it just, all this stuff is being poured out on us and we can't even handle it all. And then there are times where it feels really dry. You know, I think of uh, one of my heroes in the faith, you know, Mother Teresa, who uh, writes, uh, she she went through a period, a long, dark night of the soul, is mm-hmm. what she called it, where she mm-hmm. didn't hear the voice of God speaking to her. It was for most of her adult life mm-hmm. that she felt that way. And... So we go through times where we feel stuck in our faith, where we feel like, you know, where we're struggling, you know, where it's not easy, where where we wonder, you know. Um, so the way we respond, though, in those moments is we just continue to place our faith mm-hmm. and trust in God. We continue to look to Him. We continue to believe that He is who He says He is and that He's good, that He cares about us, and He can be trusted with our hearts. Mm-hmm. We keep pressing into that, you know. Um, students, particularly, like when we're that age, we're very driven by our emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, I'm look, I'm not, uh, that's not me pointing a finger at, 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 you know, kids or looking down on students who are that age. I bet I was there. We we're much more driven by our emotions. Our brains are still learning how to process our emotions and how to manage them and everything else. Right. And so it's, a, it's easy for us when we're at this student age it's easy for us to get discouraged about a relationship with God because we're not having all these powerful feelings all the time. Mm-hmm. And there are seasons where we're going to have those powerful feelings, right? But there are seasons where we're not going to have those. And it's actually the seasons where we are not having those, where our faith and our character are formed the most. Who are we going to be when it's not easy mm-hmm. to follow the Lord? I mean, and shallow water kids don't need me to tell them about this, right? Because they all play some kind of sport, right? And their coaches are drilling into them all the time, right? Look, it's easy for people to get excited and to come out and give their all on a Friday night whenever the lights are on and there's people up in the stands, but that's not where greatness happens. Right. Greatness happens on July the 3rd when it's, you know, 100 degrees outside and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon and you're running your 50th wind sprint. Are you going to give your effort in that moment? Mm -hmm. You're not feeling any of the feedback or any of the good stuff. It's just you committing to the process Mm -hmm. knowing that one day it will, trusting, one day it's going to reap, you know, benefits for you. It's the same way in our relationship with God. Our character is formed in those moments but we're not necessarily feeling anything where we feel stuck. Who are we going to be in those moments? Mm-hmm. Are we going to choose to surrender? Are we going to choose to, to press into our relationship with God? Are we going to choose to continue to serve him faithfully? You know, um, if we do, then our character is going to be formed. And yeah. the, the other thing I would say is when you feel stuck, sometimes the re- one reason we get stuck is because we make the Christian life an internalized life. Mm. It's all about, it's all about our internal life, you know, Sometimes when we feel stuck, you know what we ought to do? We ought to just say to the Lord, Lord, I just want to bless somebody today. Show me somebody to bless. Mm-hmm. You know? And and serve someone else. And not make else. it about ourselves, yeah. but but and and just getting the focus off of That's us. That's it. Like looking at others and, right. and just seeing, well God, it's not about me, mm-hmm. you know? Anytime our relationship with God is about becomes about how we feel, right? 
uh, or if it becomes about, you know, our eternal destination, right? If that's the sum of our relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord, then we're going to be stuck. Sure. Um, uh, because that's not what Christian yeah. life was designed to be. Right. Christian life was designed to 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 serve others, to uh, just like what Jesus did, you know, where he he poured out his life for us. But even on the on the smaller scale, he washed his disciples' feet. You know why? They've been walking in the dirt all day. No one washed their feet. He washed them. You know. <laughs> so so. But here's my thing: if you're feeling stuck right now, just look for dirty feet. You know, and when you see them, wash them. Yeah. If you do that. Right, then that is a, a tool that the Lord often uses to get us out of that stuck mm-hmm. place and to really deepen our faith. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, this is fun. Michael, thanks for thanks for uh thanks for you know what? Thanks to these students yes. for these amazing questions. Yeah. Um and can I just say along along with Michael, and you, you chime in on this too, Michael, but we're blessed at First Shallow Water. We've got some really uh, some really amazing young men and women. Absolutely. And God is working in them and using them. And so, and it's been so fun, you know, for me since I've been here and I'm sure mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. but just to see, like I can see these students and they'd have, they have no idea how gifted they are, you know, how the Lord wants to use them. They're still learning about all that, but I can see it, man. Yeah. The potential is so there. I'm so grateful for the students that mm-hmm. we have. And, um, and so if you're listening and you're a student, we just want you to know that we love you very, yes. very much and we're excited, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, and, and we're happy to answer these questions. Yeah, asked. absolutely. So, and thanks for your wisdom too, Michael. I feel like since you have a beard, um, <laughs> so your beard is fuller than mine, that, that makes you wiser than me. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. You guys can't see it, but this whole time Michael's been stroking his beard thoughtfully like a you know like a wizard I, you know i actually think i haven't touched my you face touched once. One time. i just wanted to say since they couldn't see you i could say whatever i wanted that is so. true i know that's scary <laughs> no well thanks for listening to the podcast today and thanks for just chiming in on, on something that was a little bit different you know for us to do today uh it was super fun and maybe we we'll do this again sometime Absolutely. i think it'd yeah. be good to do That'd this be great. again uh, maybe some of you podcast listeners out there maybe you have questions mm-hmm that you would like for us to address sometime on a podcast episode. If you do, then uh, then why don't you... Uh, email us. Yeah, send us an email. Go to uh, go to the church website, firstshallowwater.org. You can find our emails on there. They're brad uh, at firstshallowwater.org, michael at firstshallowwater.org. Send us, a, send us an email about some questions, and who knows, maybe your question will be the focus of an upcoming podcast episode. We'll even credit you with it. How about that? <laughs> How exciting. I know. Yeah. It's thrilling, <laughs> thrilling. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you around town. Thanks for tuning in to First Things First. We want to invite you to join us for worship this Sunday at First Shallow Water. You can find us at 703 Avenue J in Shallow Water, Texas. Our Sunday morning service starts at 1030 a.m. Click on the link in the description of this episode for more information about our church or if you'd just like to reach out to us. Check out the previous episodes of this podcast. Make sure you do that. We really have had the privilege of hearing some amazing stories. And make sure you check back each week for a new episode. Until then, we'll see you around town.